Well, for some of you, last week we started this series, Follow God, and uh, I just I get a sense where God wants to take us on a journey together. What's really interesting is this is a, a particular passage of Scripture that we're looking at is really the sense of where Moses found his, his call, his identity, and, and to uh, remind us that even when we, we don't know what's going on, God still knows and God still cares. God has not given up on you. I think Moses maybe thought for 40 years that what have I done and the if onlys and, and how do I turn this around? How do I bring it back? And he's a, he's a shepherd that, was, that, that now is shepherding sheep, herding sheep. But he lived in the brilliance of the, of the palace as an educated Egyptian. Intelligence, smart. Probably a lecturer and a teacher, no doubt. Had the world was his oyster, and, and through a number of circumstances which we mentioned, that Moses started off where the king was willing to kill all the babies, because, particularly the males, because of the sense of uh, the Hebrew people were becoming quite strong. And though they were used to slavery, they were becoming quite big. And, he, and the king thought, if these guys actually turn against me, I'm in big trouble. And so an edict went out, and so obviously Moses' parents uh, chose two things. Either in a sense, there's a, there's a sense where they actually obeyed the edict because you just didn't know really what could happen, putting a little baby in a basket along the Nile. But I think there was an attachment of faith there, believing that even in this process that God was going to do something, and that's exactly what happened. Pharaoh's daughter uh, draws him out, hence the name Moses, and in a succession of events, Moses is at a point where he interferes in a, a battle with harsh treatment of a, uh, the Hebrew people with an Egyptian and he kills the Egyptian, which was for him a penalty for death. The Bible says, I think it's in chapter 2 of the Exodus, where he actually buried him in the sand. So Moses was hiding his mistake, he was hiding his error, hiding his, his problems, his mistake. But it caught up with him and he had to obviously end up running for his life. So he spends the 40 years in the desert. And this is where we find Moses. Now, sometimes we look at that desert experience and we can sometimes wonder our journeys and experiences and why, God, where are you in all this? And why did this happen? Or why didn't that happen? And could it have been this or that? And we really don't know. We know God is sovereign and we know that God is control of all and sees all and we trust him. There's a sense where his will is a mystery. There's elements that we know and we can understand, but there are elements of it that, that are very personal and we're walking it through and we're learning day by day. Moses got to a point where he was just going day by day, doing what he needed to do. He was given a wife, he has two sons. And, and so the desert gave back, even though at times it, it can take. And so Moses is in this place where just going through the motions, ho-hum, and God meets him. And this is what we talked a little bit about last week. We learned the sense that God sees us as, as God saw Moses and, and distracted Moses. So this is the burning bush experience that we're, we're talking about. Not only does God see you, but God knows you. And not only does God know you, God makes that declaration that he is with us always. And it, and it continues to go on. This theme carries on a little bit. What's interesting is that why Moses, when we look at following God? 
There's a lot of people in the Old and New Testament we could look at. We could look at the disciples and those, many of those who became believers and followed Jesus. We could look at Gideon, who was threshing out at night the grain, hiding from the Canaanites, hiding from the enemy. And yet God chose him and called him. We could, look at, we could look at that. We could maybe look at Noah and had to go build an ark. We look at all these stories, but there's something about Moses that's quite different. Moses is at a place where we can learn our place as well. And Moses became, I would say, almost one of the most significant leaders in our records of the Bible. Absolutely amazing leader. But he was flawed. And I love how God doesn't cover this up in the Scriptures. And so we are encouraged to, to look at Moses and say, Moses, what were your lessons and, and what did you learn and how, how do we do this thing? Because I think in all of us there's a Moses. And we read later on, you see this chapter, chapter 3 of Exodus and chapter 4, where in fact Moses uh, makes excuses in how to serve God. He wants to, in fact, he actually says, no, I can't do this. At the point, God was getting quite frustrated with him. There's a saying I've learned over the years that, that it's always good to say yes to God. When you say no, that's not a good place to be. It really isn't a good place. And Moses was having this challenge where he wanted to say no. And so we need to be encouraged about how we are learning this journey together. And so can I encourage you, as we just uh, recognise what God is doing, what God is saying, let's have a look at the lessons of Moses' journey. And so we're going to look at that right now. Moses, as you know, learned that in the palace 40 years, thinking he was a somebody, had authority, he had power, prince of Egypt. And now he's in the desert and no one really remembers him. No one's really probably looking for him. And he, he can probably even feel like, What's going on? But he seemed settled. He seemed comfortable. I think he just said to the fact that, you know, this is what it is and we'll just, we'll just ride with it. But God had other plans for him. And sometimes we can get that. And we need to remember that uh, it's not what happened to you that defines you. It's what you do with what happened to you or happens to you. And that makes all the difference. Someone said when bad things happen, there are always three choices. You can let it define you, you can let it destroy you, or you can let it strengthen you. I had the three. I like to keep the threes together, three Ds, you know. Um, it can define you, destroy you, or develop you. This is Moses. Let's have a read in Exodus chapter 3, verse 5 to 10. So this is a great conversation. We're, just, we're going into this conversation. I don't think there's any more conversation than we can get in this. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then you said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, at that statement, at that declaration, Moses hid his face. Moses wasn't hiding his face until that moment. Because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. Verse 8, so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of this land into the good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jezebites and the Jeremites. 
and the Vegemite. Just add a few. There was a few there. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me. And I've seen the way that the Egyptians are oppressing them. And so now I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people or to set my people free. The Israelites out of Egypt. Moses has just given his job description. His position description. There it is. It's all there. What he's going to do, why he's going to do it, and when he really should be doing it. So go now. And there are a couple of understandings and thoughts I just want to share with you as we just go through this and encourage you in the few moments that we have together. In Psalm 25.4, it won't be on the screen, but it says, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. And I get a sense, as we heard this morning with Roger sharing wonderfully at communion, that it's almost a sense of we know that God loves us so much, but how much do we love God? And I think that to follow God, this is the challenge that God was echoing to Moses. Moses needed to get this. And he took some time to get this. And this is our journey as well. Here are a couple of thoughts. Number one, in following God, you've got to learn how to take your sandals off. Don't come any closer. I don't know how close Moses got. We don't know. There's no evidence or description at all. But it was enough that then the, where, where there was a parameter where God said, no, that's it, stop. Hang on. Moses is thinking, you started this. This was a conversation. You started, God. I was just minding my own business and, and now you did this burning bush and all, bush and, and all these things are going, at the fireworks and everything and, and now you're saying, stop. But he says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals. God invites Moses to come closer as he introduces himself and he says, Moses, take off your sandals. What's the deal in this? What does God want you to teach Moses? He teaches Moses that I'm bigger than you can comprehend, Moses. I'm trustworthy. I'm good. I'm upright. I'm safe. I'm worthy. God was revealing his own nature in this dialogue. Not just a sense to know of God and to hear about God, but there's a personal invitation that starts to unravel. You think maybe Moses would have been educated as a highly educated individual to, to know to take off his sandals. That he's, he's entering into a place of sacredness, sacred ground. Over the years we had in our churches and our church experience over the years, we've had different individuals rock up with thongs. And I'd have people coming back and writing letters and sending, saying, we have to put noses up. And this is the church folk mostly. Don't wear sandals. You're not allowed to wear sandals to the pub, so you should be wearing them to the church. I'm just saying. A.W. Pink, sorry if that was one of you. Sorry. A.W. Pink says, holiness is God's beauty. God swears by his own holiness. Psalm 89, 35. John House says, it is the attribute of attributes. God was saying to Moses, I am holy. I am the real deal. Whatever other gods you've learned about and studied about and discovered, I am greater than all of them put together. I am. The great I am, which he reveals in this dialogue that goes on a little bit later. 
There's nothing but that which is excellent can proceed from God. Holiness is the rule of all his actions. God is holy. Moses, you've lived in the palace, but I'm going to teach you how to live in my presence. You've lived in the palace and great for you, but now you need to learn how to live in my presence. We live in a world right now, even as Christians, it's tough. They're saying now the average age of of over 12 and 13 is is equal to an 18-year-old going some years back. The information that's available, the challenges, the internet, technology. Our kids are growing up so much faster with too much information. There are checks and balances that are put on a home. The government's putting, uh, providing free uh, setup of uh, security setup for homes to help families with the accessing of the web and the net. The challenge is enormous. We heard only recently, I haven't verified this, but I heard that in South Australia that now even for the safe checks or the workers with children's checks, which is still known there, we've got the vulnerability, that it's age 14 now. And they're trying to deal with that because an age, age, someone at the age of 14 has to now uh, get a 100 points ID. They don't have a license. Because of, of what their world is opened up to now, that some of the, the, the things that are going on, the acts, the violence, starting at a younger age. It's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for the church how to respond to these things. But we must remember, we're going to take our sandals off. We're going to remember that God is holy. And God is looking for us to be holy. We mess up, we make mistakes, but we know where to go back to. We know how to deal with that. There's a saying that familiarity breeds conceit. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, in context of the Lord's Supper, now you must never let familiarity breed conceit or contempt. Proverbs 25, 17, it goes on. Not only are we made holy, we are being holy. We're in the process of it. It's a past tense and a present tense. How hateful of sin must God have been to punish it on the utmost deserts upon his own son. God says, Moses, you're going to take something off. What would God ask you to take off? What would God be asking you right now to take off and remove out of your life? If God was to ask you and speak to you, Personally, what is it? Is it an idea, an attitude, a grudge, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness? What is it that God would ask you to remove in entering into his presence, being aware of who he is? It's a big question. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, he told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. But what profit is it for a man who gains the whole world and forfeits his soul and loses his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Haggai the prophet in, in chapter 1 of his prophecy repeats his command, consider your ways, consider your ways. In other words, have a, take a good look at yourselves. And Moses, have a good look. Take a good look at you. Take off your sandals. It's holy ground. 
And certainly as we come to church, there's a sense this is sacred. And I get it. And I love that. I love the sacredness. I, I, I love that. I enjoy that. But it, there are challenges that we're living in in a world that's trying to attack that in a number of different ways. And that's not for today other than to say that let us individually learn how to take off our sandals. What is God asking us to remove? Galatians 5.1 says, Christ has set us free in freedom. So therefore stand firm in your freedom. Number two, Moses hid his face. Verse 5, at this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So there's a sense where Moses was okay looking at God and what he could understand, but then something happened. It's a wonderful response from Moses. Moses intuitively hides his face. But not until this moment, what changed? I'll share with you what changed. Revelation changed. Personal revelation happened. Not only were his eyes already open, but his mind was open. Moses was starting to get a sense, well, I think this really is Jehovah God that our fathers talked about. Moses received revelation. And we heard this one like, like Peter, after catching the mother load, excuse the language, he withdrew. He fell at Jesus' feet. He said, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. What just happened? Luke 5, 8 says, when Peter, Simon, saw this, he fell at the feet of Jesus knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. There's no issue before, but then after the great catch, he realized that you are the great I am. Revelation dawned on him. Oh boy, you are really God. Oh, I got it, but now I really got it. Now I really get it. The journey of God for each of us is that sense of unveiling of revelation that we would know who God is. Getting to know God. Moses hid his face. We're not sure how he did that. Maybe he buried it in his hands like we do with our children. You know, funny with our children, you go, and you completely disappear. You're standing right before them, but once they can't see your face, and they grab you and they're trying to see where you are. You're there, but you're hitting your face. And then you go, boom, and they go, ah! Moses hit his face. We're not sure if it was in his hands. Maybe he threw his scarf over his eyes. The winds and the sand hitting you would have, would have been pretty intense. We're not sure, but the word here means to conceal, hide, secret. I'm afraid that we have a culture that is losing its standards. And we have a generation of people who will never have a sense of God's presence. I'm not afraid that what the future looks like without God doing something tremendously amazing is scary. I cannot attempt to even consider living life without Jesus. Even one moment, one day. And that revelation inspires me, that personal contact and Dialogue and conversation, that face-to-face we talked about is pertinent to everything that I am and everything he wants me to be and wants you to be. So our fellowship is utmost important. Reading the Bible, studying devotions, prayer, 
in fellowship, corporate prayer as well as individual prayer. All these things matter. Moses, we see, learns this, and we see Moses gets closer with God. But you know what happens? We see Moses gets so close with God, he forgets this. He forgets who he's with. Moses gets a little cocky. And so we will learn that later on what happens. To the point that actually Moses doesn't go into the promised land. Sorry, spoiler alert. Moses was a great man. And so his lessons can be our lessons. Hebrews 11, faith says without, Hebrews 6, sorry, says without faith it is impossible to please God because everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And as Jeremiah 29, you can read that as well. God is looking at you right now. He knows everything that's gone right and gone wrong. Everything has been messed up and turned upside down. And he's not in a moment going to leave you. He's not in a second going to flee and say, you know what, too hard, I'll go over here. God loves you so, so much. Moses needs to get that. Moses needs to learn and live from that place of revelation. Number three, I've come to rescue you. I've come to deliver you. Deliver them, rescue them from the Egyptians and take them out of Egypt into the good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. There's two words that the Lord requires for us to follow him. Yes, Lord, that's all. Oh, but Lord, but you don't know. Oh, but God doesn't want to hear any buts. He just wants to hear yes, Lord. We know at the end that Jesus talks about, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in. But some are thinking about yes, Lord. Some are contemplating, studying it, analysing yes, Lord. But all God asks us is to say yes, Lord, and, and do it. There's a passage that reminds us in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus declares his own mission statement. Why he came. See, Moses already saw, he thought, and he heard. And so we need to also see. We need to think and we need to hear. When God redeems us, he does not only redeem us from something, he redeems us unto something, to something. Ephesians chapter 2 says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ Jesus when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. This word rescue, to deliver, that God mentioned with Moses means this. It comes with the word nasal. It means to snatch away, defend, deliver, and of self. Escape, without fail, part, pluck, preserve, recover, rescue, rid, save. It's an amazing word. Amazing comprehension and understanding that God was asking this guy, this Moses, who had given up on himself, as we'll learn. Moses, who was so brave and strong in the palace, becomes so frail and weak. 
in the paddocks. And God is asking us, will we follow him? As he asked Moses, will we take off our sandals? Will we take off the stuff that is clouding our lives and adding stuff to our lives that really isn't that important? God's asking us to remove stuff. What's holding us back? Maybe in our situation we can't do what we used to do. Ages got there and, and other things. But, and, but we can pray, we can believe, and we can smile, and we can encourage, and we can cheer those who can do what they need to do. Don't ever think that you haven't got a role or a purpose or a mission because you can't do the thing that you could do 20 and 30 and 40 years ago. What you bring with you is sacred. What you bring with you is knowledge. What you bring with you is revelation. That's what we need. And that can sometimes be missing in some churches. Those who walk before us and live longer than us, you have so many lessons that we can learn from. Learn what to do and not what not to do. What to do and what not to do. So is there anything in your day, maybe this week, that says, I want to seek you, Lord. I'm going to change my routine. I'm going to change things that I may spend more time with you. I may be in a position to say yes. Is there any part of your days that says, yes, Lord, I want to see you. But in a sense, I want to hide my face because there's a fresh sense of revelation today. I get who you are. And I need you to help me to do what you've called me to do. Is there any part of your day that says, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'm ready to obey. I'm ready to do whatever it takes. You know, that's not easy and it's scary. Serving the Lord now for 30 years. We've lived in different places and different towns, never knowing we'd ever live in Tassie, never knowing whatever God would do. The simple being we just said, yes, Lord, but are we perfect in that? No. Have we made mistakes? Absolutely. And we'll still keep making mistakes. But that's the beauty of it. God's not threatened and intimidated by your mistakes. He knows that we'll make mistakes. He knows we don't get it right, but he wants us to keep believing, to keep hanging on. I close with this. And God said, I'm going to take the children of Israel out of bondage and into the good land. This is the salvation of God. This is redemption. This is what it means to follow God. There are a lot of believers, a lot of people who want to follow lots of things today. They won't count. In the end, they won't count. All that will count is us, you and I individually, tuning our hearts and our minds to follow God no matter what. No matter what comes next, I'm going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts and lives, that you would encourage us, Lord, here today that you are in control. In control. And we don't have to fret, we don't have to worry, we don't have to be unsettled by that, but we do know that you are with us. We don't see exactly what will be in the years to come and how things will change. 
But we ask this one thing, Father God, that as you were revealing and showing Moses, who became the greatest deliverer really of all time, the studies and the movies all show that this guy had incredible options and opportunities. But most of all, there's no denying he loved you, what's and all. So, Father, we ask that you would encourage our hearts. That whatever's going on in our world, in our lives, in our family, in our health, and whatever reports are coming in, that you are still on the throne. You are still blind. Whatever the devil will say, whatever people will say, we know that you are still Lord. May we always come back to that place. Take off our sandals. hide ourselves because of the revelation of who you are is, is just too much to take how can our frail minds take in the normalcy of your understanding of who you are but your mission is always to rescue us, to deliver us, to save us to set us free never to stay in that place of bondage never to stay in that place of brokenness but to learn and keep growing so I pray, Father, for whoever that is, who this message is for, for each of us, Lord, even as a church, that you would encourage us. In Jesus' wonderful name, that we too can follow you. However it looks, we can follow you. And help us, Lord, to help our younger generations and our children and our families to know who you are. That as we live out that revelation, they will see that revelation. They ought to, will also to be inspired and encouraged. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.